Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. DFS Strategy Show right here on Awesomeo.com. I am Jason Floyd. Happy Thursday night to you. Appreciate you taking time out of your day, whether you're watching us live or maybe you're listening to us after the fact. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. And Pete, I was uh, scrolling through my Twitter timeline and uh, I, I saw kind of uh, your uh, less than optimistic view on UFC Vegas number 26. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I am obsessed with fights, so obviously, of course, I will watch it. But uh, I have to really get motivated for this card, Jason. You know, I mean, it's got some interesting matchups. I have a couple friends on the card. Obviously, I'm really, you know, I'm really uh, interested in their fights and everything like that. But, like, it's a week of a lot of inconsistent fighters and kind of where are you at now type of fights. 
No, you're right. There are fights on this card just from a, a pure fight aspect that do intrigue me. Those fights are not the main event or co-main event. I'll tell you, uh, Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal is one of those matchups. Diego Fajaya against Gregor Gillespie is another one. Amanda Hebos versus Angela Hill. And the other one I would say is Phil Hawes versus Kyle Dawkins. Just from a, a straight fight aspect, those are the fights that, that really do intrigue me. And I'll tell you one thing, when I was putting my sheet together with the salaries, and it was more on the FanDuel side of the equation, I was like, man, this is one of those weeks on FanDuel, you could potentially have a decent amount of salary left over and not feel bad. Yeah, that doesn't happen too often. Um, you know, it's kind of like a DraftKings style of playing, of leaving salary left on the table. FanDuel's a little tough week to week, but I do feel like this week it can make some sense. And, uh, you know, obviously the more that you leave on the table, the more unique your lineups are and the the more contrarian. So, uh I'm excited to break down some of these fights with you, but all those fights you mentioned are the ones that I'm honestly looking forward to. Of course, one of the things we do want to let you know before we start breaking down the fights is today's free premium data and tools over awesome.com is MMA fighter projections. So be sure to check out that to help you develop your lives here for UFC Vegas number 26. But P, let's get right into the main event. Marina Rodriguez taking on Michelle Waterson. You know, the one stat that I think sticks out to you that I wonder how many people realize that Marina Rodriguez is only one year younger than Michelle Waterson. Yeah, I mean, it's a little odd, but, uh, you know, you think about what Waterson has done in MMA and uh, a lot of people are, you know, have been playing catch up and we are starting to see the new wave of generations coming in and, you know, the people that uh, kind of like the, the up and coming stars, but Marine Rodriguez has been training and, and fighting for a while, but she's primarily a striker. So I'm interested to see her in this matchup against Michelle Waterson, who clearly will, will look to expose her on the mat. Like everybody will try to do, because if you stand with Marina Rodriguez, you saw what can happen. And uh, a, a fighter like Amanda Hebos can get upset and kind of knocked out out of nowhere. Um, so it, it's a, it's a tricky fight for sure. And I think that there's paths to victory for both ladies. I'm excited for the main event. If it is five rounds, which I think that you confirmed with me prior to the show, then I am. Uh, I think the later this fight goes, that you know Michelle Waterson is live to to pull an upset. But I do think that Marina Rodriguez is extremely dangerous of an opponent. I think it's a fight where you will have to have some exposure to both fighters. But uh, you know, it's it's a weird main event. I haven't seen anything that notes it's a three-round fight, so I would expectations are that I believe it will be a, a five-round matchup. I mean, look, the one thing that sticks out to you about Marina Rodriguez in her last three fights, she's been taken down nine times. Five of those uh, takedowns did come against Carlos Sparza. So to me, that is clearly the path for Michelle Waterson. When you look at the DFS salaries, over on FanDuel, Maria Rodriguez at $20 is, is an intriguing play for me because she's going to have to stop takedowns. She's gonna, she is going to see takedowns in this matchup. Uh, if you want to take Michelle Watterson, I don't mind that as a little bit of a, a value punt play, whether we're talking FanDuel or DraftKings. DraftKings, she's 7000 $7, $7, $14 over on FanDuel in that five rounds. I mean, if you sit there and say you could put Michelle Watterson in your lineup at 7000 and she can get you 50 points, I'd take it. Yeah, I don't hate her. I think she's a great value because of the five rounds, because of her style. I mean, if she goes and tries to just stand and strike with uh, Marina Rodriguez, I think that she will not be quite successful. I think she will be on the losing end of a lot of these exchanges. I think Marina Rodriguez has the more pop in her shots. Um, you know, Michelle Watterson was, was known for slick throws and good striking and uh, we've seen her start to resort more towards her takedowns and a lot of her fights and I do think that that's a you know the primary path for her in this bout mix things up keep uh Marine Rodriguez guessing because the longer Marine Rodriguez is on the feet the more violent she's going to be and uh, I like her the wind about I truly do but you, you brought up a great point as far as value um you know Michelle Watterson in her fights only has a takedown accuracy of 34 percent which does inspire confidence that Marina Rodriguez can stuff some of these takedowns. Now they're not traditional double legs all the time, or even single legs. Um, you know, it's a lot of head and arm throws or some in the clinch throws that Michelle Waterson likes to resort to. Um, you know, she's very good at it. I just don't know if she can really keep Marina Rodriguez on the mat 
And even if she is on the mat, besides solidifying rounds, can she really work towards accumulating a lot of strikes or accumulating, you know, some, some points for us? So for me, it's Marina Rodriguez. Obviously it's a rich salary to pay at 9,200, but because of the five rounds, I I guess it's kind of warranted. Um, I wish she was a little cheaper though. No, I'm with you there, especially when we talk about that DraftKings scoring system. When we're talking about, you know, if if she can keep this fight at range, point four, you know, per you know, to, you know, total strikes plus significant strikes, uh, you know, can she potentially maybe get a knockdown? Maybe she even gets her own takedown at mm-hmm. some point. That, that's something to take advantage of. Of course, there's uh, many great ways to check out this show along with watching it here on YouTube. You can check it out as part of the Awesomeo podcast network of course you can go to awesome.com slash podcast to get the link for this show and all the great programming we have here at awesome.com be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on any of our podcast channels with your twitter handle or email address for your and you'll be eligible to win a free week of awesome plus platinum one winner is awarded every friday and reviews are eligible to win up to one year so good luck over there it's a great way I, as i'm driving around town i love to sit there as i always say i usually uh, start my morning drive off with that nba slate starter podcast i kind of start to figure out what i am going to do in terms of nba that night let's move on to the co-main event we've got Donald Cerrone taking on Alex Morono of course we all know it's supposed to be Cerrone versus Diego Sanchez I don't think we need to really go into that I think everyone who's watching or listening to the show knows exactly what happened there uh Donald Cerrone 8400 Alex Morono 7800 that's on DraftKings over on FanDuel $22 for Donald Cerrone $10 for Alex Morono. Uh, if you were looking to bet this fight, uh, I think at one point, Donald Cerrone is like minus 130. You, you, you're not going to see that number. <laughs> I, I, you're not going to see that number here. Uh, but, you know, one of the things of, as I was thinking about this fight, we were talking about it before the show, but the one thing we didn't talk about is Alex Morono is a in-your-face type fighter. He may not be the fastest guy. He may not be the most athletic guy. But the one thing is he's going to be in your face. Yeah, I'm intrigued with this matchup. Obviously, I'm disappointed that Cerrone and Sanchez didn't get to face off. I was really favoring Cerrone in the matchup. So now, you know, with with some some changes and everything, we do have Alex Morono stepping up on short notice. So um, obviously, uh, I'm initially questioning, is Morono in shape? Has he been preparing for a fight? Has he been in camp? Has he been helping teammates like a a Jeff Neal or whoever on the card, um, you know, to, to get ready for this card? Um, you would hope so if you are backing Morono, because if you think that you can just come off the couch and beat Donald Cerrone, well, I mean, yeah, he's winless in his past five fights, but I mean, it still is against some elite competition and it is still Cowboy Cerrone with a wealth of experience, um, future UFC Hall of Famer, if not UFC Hall of Famer already. Um, and, uh, you know, Cowboy has a variety of ways to get a fight done. Like he's a, he's a good striker, but over the years you have started to see him incorporate more takedowns and he's a very sneaky grappler i've been saying it and shouting it for years everybody that's been listening to this show knows cowboy's a friend of mine and i've always talked about his ground game of how amazing his ground game is and uh, i i think that's something that could uh you know be like an ace up his sleeve in this fight against alex morono because if morono just thinks he's going to come forward and press cowboy Cerrone, that is the pathway to victory over him right like don't allow cowboy to go forward put him on his back foot and don't let him get going. Hop on him early in the first round. Now, I do think that the Diego Sanchez fight ignited a fire, so to speak, under Cowboy Cerrone. So I was much more looking forward to his performance with all that bad blood. Is it somewhat deflating to now face a different opponent and try to still act mad? Or are you still motivated to go out there and put on you know, an incredible performance because your back is against the wall. You are winless in your past five. Um, Obviously, I still think that in a lot of the metrics, Cowboy has an advantage uh, in the striking department, his versatility with his kickboxing. I talked about his takedowns. I think the submission game, despite Morono being a black belt, I think it's a, I think that Cerrone has the edge there. And you can clearly see that in this uh, grappling match against Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those fights that I I don't, I don't think I will prioritize it. And, and I think this is going to be a theme we talk about throughout this card of there's just 
a lot of fights on this card that you're not going to feel extremely comfortable yeah. with picking either one, either sided. I mean, there, there's multiple fights throughout this card that I look at. Like, I do think Donald Cerrone is the guy that I, you know, if you tell me single entry type, I got to have one guy from this fight to me, I would pick Donald Cerrone, but I don't feel good about it just because of, you mentioned about it, of, of what his track record has been over his, his, the last two years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's either it's going to do one of two things. Either history is going to repeat itself, or you're going to see maybe a better than ever cowboy Cerrone. I mean, sometimes when an animal is back in the corner, they respond in a strong manner. And uh, you would like to see it with cowboy. Obviously, it's been against some legitimate competition, but the forward pressure of Morono, um, his good combinations, do you know kind of leave some worry for me in this matchup. I think that Morono is an excellent value play and that he should be a part of your underdog pool as well, because I mean, he's facing a fighter that's winless in his past five. I mentioned it several times now, but uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot more difficult of a fight than maybe even Morono's expecting. Yeah, I, you know, it's just one of those tough matchups, a part of this card. Of course, appreciate everyone that tunes into also right here on YouTube. If uh, maybe this is your first time here, you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to subscribe here. We've got a lot of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, myself and Pete will be here for about the next 50 minutes. And, of course, we'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to subscribe to Osmo. Hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live. And, of course, give us a thumbs up. We always do appreciate those thumbs up that we do get on our videos, whether you're watching us live or watching us after the fact. Let's move on. Next up, we have got Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal, one of those matchups that really does intrigue me. So we got 9,000 here for Jeff Neal over on DraftKings, 7,200 for Neil Magny, and then $20 and 13 respectively over on FanDuel. You know, anytime, Pete, that we talk about Neil Magny, the first thing that's going to come to mind is the reach that he has at welterweight 80 inches. He's got a five-inch reach advantage in this one. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy for the division, 6'3", 80-inch reach, um, you know, and that usually gives fits to his opponents. Um, you know, he keeps him on the end of the uh, end of his jab. And when before I looked at the metrics and everything, I was really thinking in, in my mind, viewing Neil Magny as kind of like a volume guy, right? Like he, he pitter-patters you from the outside a lot or incorporates a ton of takedowns. So then when I pulled the stats, and I do see that Jeff Neal still throws at a higher rate, obviously he absorbs a lot more shots than uh, Neil Magny does. I was, I was a little surprised by that because uh, 3.67 uh, significant strikes for Neil Magny, 4.94 for Jeff Neal. Obviously, that's all dependent on the fights in the matchups, but I think that it's pretty clear Jeff Neal has the power advantage in this matchup. Um, the, the length and the reach clearly on Neil Magny's side, but in order to stifle the the dangerous Jeff Neal, you need to tie up with him. You need to incorporate takedowns put him on his back, put him in unfamiliar territory, if you will. But Neil does have solid takedown defense. Really good, actually, 92%. Um, And I think this could be... Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. A case where both guys are looking to rebound from losses, a loss to Kiesa for Magny, a loss to Thompson for Neal. Um, and maybe a lot of people are discrediting Jeff Neal's performance against Stephen Thompson, but I tell you all the time that Stephen Thompson is the trickiest fighter you could ever prepare for. So whenever somebody comes out if they fight with Steven Thompson, I feel like they've leveled up and that they will be better in their next outing. Yeah, I mean, look, this is we were talking about before the show with, with Neil Magny is you know, it, it's kind of a litmus test of yeah. are you a top ten fighter or not? You know, Neil kind of you know, when Neil's for the most part, his success comes against fighters who are towards the end of their run, the UFC, you know, that ten to fifteen range. So it's a big matchup for Jeff Neal. The 9000 price tag to me is, I think the question becomes, is can he finish Neil Magny? And I don't know about that. I I feel like he can. Um, I obviously don't think that it's a, a clear yes, because Neil Magny's not, not a bad striker at all. 
Um, he's so tall, so obviously a looping shot is always in play here. And obviously Jeff Neal will have to hop on a hurt, you know, Neil Magny. But we have seen Neil Magny rocked at times or submitted on the ground. So I think a finish is possible. I'm not expecting a, a submission finish by any means. But, you know, Neil Magny at 7,200, easily one of the best values on the slate, especially if he can get a hold of Jeff Neal, put him on his back, stifle the offense. So split your exposure. But I like Jeff Neal quite a bit here, Jason. Now, when you want to get access to all the great premium tools and data we have over awesome.com, you got to sign up for also plus weekly pass for twenty nine ninety five gives you access to player projections, ownership projections, and so much more, including our premium slack. And if you just want a MMA weekly pass, get that for eight ninety five. Stop guessing, start winning. Join awesome. Plus today, go to awesome.com slash join to sign up for one of those packages today. Of course, that top fighter tool is a tool that I use each and every week. And of course, those ownership projections as uh, one of the things that I'm always doing is who are the fighters under 20% who maybe I can find a little leverage in. So check out that. Uh, if you're not a member to also plus, be sure to take advantage of what we got going on over there. So you can uh, be a part of that awesome hall of fame. We'll talk about that uh, here in a, a little bit, but uh, let's move on to a, Heavyweight matchup that uh, I, I don't think anyone is going to feel good no matter what side of the equation you roster in this one. Unfortunately, I feel like this might be a fight you have to have to be optimal on Saturday night. That is the crochet boss, Maurice Green, taking on Marcus Ruggiero de Lima. Uh, Lima, 9100 7100 for the crochet boss, and then 21 and $9 respectively over on FanDuel, this is my general thought with this one. If you take a Lima, your thought is, please don't let this see minute six. If you're a greenbacker, you're probably going, please let me see the minute six. Yeah, I mean, why why do the MMA gods have to do this to us? I mean, they're pairing two untrustworthy guys against each other. And, you know, maybe it's like a loser leaves town type of matchup, Jason. I mean, I don't know. I mean, both of these guys have been somewhat underwhelming in the UFC and both are, you know, consistently inconsistent. So um, it's, it's who do you trust slightly more? I mean, there is a slight experience advantage for uh, Rogerio de Lima here, but I mean, he's really shown to have like a, a terrible gas tank. Um, his susceptibility to kind of just get outworked in certain areas. Maurice Green is a guy that I've really, I haven't bought into the hype or really been a Maurice Green backer. And I can honestly say that. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but for me, his fighting style just, I think that there's a lot of potential because of his length and his size. He's six foot seven. So he should be able to go out there and just dismantle people. But you look at a guy like Stefan Struve, I mean, Big, tall guy, big, tall frame, and struggled with imposing his will on, on plenty of fighters within the division. So for me, I like uh, Rogerio de Lima a little bit more than I like Maurice Green, but I feel like this is a fight where you'll have to close your eyes, hope for the best, hope that you have the right exposure levels for the victor. And um, you know, you're, you're going to probably need to roster this fight because if it goes the distance, I would be very surprised. Uh, Rogerio de Lima seems to give up as the going gets tough and Maurice green gets hit quite a bit. So I, I think Maurice green is going to get sat down with some punches. And as long as Rogerio de Lima doesn't like fall into a submission attempt, I think he should be able to walk away victorious, but a, a come from behind Maurice green submission off his back is always live. Look, if you want to play Maurice green wins round two, Maurice green wins round three. I don't blame you in terms of the betting side of this one, but I just feel like in terms of DFS, this may be a fight that we might have to prioritize, but we just don't feel good about it. Yeah, 100%. Like, I hate this. I hate it when you don't enjoy rostering a fight, but you understand that it's probably not going the distance and somebody's going to get finished. So um, I, I do think that even at 7,100, a guy like Maurice Green should be at the top of your underdog priority list because of the volatility of the matchup, um, because of what you've seen in Delima's losses, and at 7,100, he doesn't really need to perform all that well to pay off that salary. So uh, split your exposure, guys. I mean, that's the best I can do with that matchup. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, and I think, you know, when you look throughout this card of fighters under 8,000, you sit there and go, okay, that needs to be in the underdog pool. All right, that yeah. person needs to be. There, there are several of those options. I mean, you know, you could spend $100 less, go to Watterson, or 
you could spend $200 more and go to Diego Fajaya against Gregor Gillespie. This is a matchup that I am really interested to see how it does play out, particularly if this matchup does hit the ground. Of course, Gregor Gillespie was supposed to fight a couple of weeks ago against Brad Riddell. I was all over Gregor Gillespie in that matchup. I just like stylistically, I thought that was a great matchup. But this is a, a step up from Brad Riddell. I mean, obviously, you know, what was it? I mean, at this point, what, a year and a half ago when he had that loss uh, against Kevin Lee. So that's always kind of the question mark. Uh, but 8,900 for Gregor Gillespie, 7,300 for Diego Fajaya, and 21 and 10, respectively. Over on FanDuel, I mean, this is the thing. Gregor Gillespie, he is he is a DraftKings stud because of that takedown ability. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the box score of Gregor Gillespie, you can recognize that he'll be one of the most you know highly owned fighters on the entire slate, and for good reason. I mean, he's the Habib of this card. I mean, he scored 121, 117, 128, 146 in some of his vic- uh, some of his victories, but. I can ask you the question, who's his best win? And, you know, you could scratch your head a little bit because mm-hmm. he hasn't really been tested so much within the octagon. And then when he finally received a stiff test against Kevin Lee, he was knocked out. But I don't really want to hold that above his head. I mean, Kevin, it's MMA. And, you know, we always talk about it. The best guy doesn't always win. And uh, Gregor Gillespie clearly has a game plan and style that benefits, you know, his DraftKings salary and his scoring. So I think that he's one of the best, you know, plays on the slate despite the tough matchup. Obviously, the question is, what has he been doing since the layoff? Um, He did, if you want to look at that in a positive light, he did allow his brain to heal from the knockout defeat, and he didn't rush back into the octagon. So that's always very, very good, and I like to see that. Uh, A fighter prioritizing their health instead of activity. And, um, you know, at 8,900, typically wrestlers give jiu-jitsu fighters a very, very hard time. And I always tell you guys, and I tell Jason all the time that, when you train with a lot of wrestlers and you're defending their takedowns, it's very difficult to, to defend their takedowns sometimes. And then you start to roll with some jiu-jitsu players, and it doesn't even feel like it's the same level. So obviously Gillespie will need to smother Diego Fajaya because even on the feet, I probably favor Diego Fajaya in some of these exchanges. But it's the the possibility of getting reversed, getting threatened with a submission, or you know countered on you know on the mat is always live for Diego Fajaya. But I'm going to act like the same old Gregor Gillespie shows up and walks into the octagon and kind of just like is back to business at 8,900. I mean, I kind of want to just eat that chalk, so to speak. And I don't want to be, you know, on the outside looking in, if you were looking for a contrarian play, avoid Gillespie target Fajaya. Fajaya is one of the most talented underdogs on the card. And I think he's got the power advantage in this Mm -hmm. matchup. And we were talking before the show about, the one thing that does concern you about that about Gillespie is the Kevin Lee fight where he didn't go for, you know, how much yeah. of that was just respecting the wrestling of Kevin Lee. Maybe he just thought that, you know, Hey, let me, let me try to work on my hands a little bit. Mm-hmm. That to me is the only thing that's concerned me. Uh, but Diego Fajaya is a guy that I am going to have in my underdog pool. Yeah. 100%. He's an excellent underdog, excellent value. And you have to compare their skill level to their salary, right? Like, you know, Diego Fajaya has gone through people, you know, really quickly and, you know, it has looked great in some of his wins. So there's no way that I'm avoiding Diego Fajaya. There are question marks surrounding Gregor Gillespie. I mean, strength of schedule is definitely one of them. He's looked great. His ground and pound is good. His control time is good. Diego Fajaya was just controlled on the mat against Benil Dariush. And Benil Dariush is a talented fighter. One of the, you know, the dark horse for the division, in my opinion, but it's not the same as facing a you know a top level wrestler like Gregor Gillespie. Yeah, no question. By the way, if you do have any questions, I do got the chat up. I will get those questions throughout the show. Sammy already saw your super chat. We'll get to your questions there at the end of the show. Let's move over to a female matchup between Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill. Uh, Hebos 8,800-7,400 for Hill, and then nineteen and eleven respectively. Over on FanDuel, I guess the first thing with Amanda's side of it is how does she bounce back from that loss? And, and Angela Hill, the one fight that I, it keeps coming back to me is her fight against Claudia Gadelia. Like, yeah. to me, obviously, Amanda Hebos wants to get this fight to the ground. There's not a doubt in my mind. The question is, can she get it there, and can she keep it there? 
Yeah, I think she can get it there, right? I just don't know if she can keep it there because we have seen Angela Hill evolve into a talented mixed martial artist. I mean, she clearly still has a uh, lower skill level in the grappling and wrestling department than she does in the striking department. Obviously, Angela Hill is a volume-based striker, very technical on the feet, kind of outpaces and outworks her opponent. So on the feet, I think that she can get ahead of Amanda Hebos, maybe even check that chin of hers, see if she has healed from that shot and that knockout defeat to uh, Marina Rodriguez. But, um, you know, Angela Hill is really not a power fighter or a power striker. Um, and I, I think that she could have made some adjustments because Amanda Hebo is clearly going to test her in the grappling realm. But like we mentioned, you know, that Claudia Gadelia fight does inspire some confidence in, in Angela Hill for me. And also kind of like recency bias as well. Like just because a fighter that was highly touted lost doesn't mean they automatically come back in here and, and walk away with a victory. Um, I think that it's a tough matchup. I do. And on the, on the, on the feet, she will be outworked if she struggles to get her to the mat, or even if she, you know, takes a shot and doesn't take it well, how does she respond to any adversity? But Angela Hill will probably be the smaller fighter here. Definitely will be the smaller and weaker fighter in this matchup. So um, I think automatically what, what the audience and everybody's going to do is kind of put Amanda Hebos in their lineups but I'm here to tell you that I, I am favoring Angela Hill in the fight, and that surprises me. Obviously, if she gets taken down to the mat, could get submitted very, very easily. But uh, I, I think a way to avoid some chalk and avoid some ownership is to target Angela Hill as the underdog. Yeah, the submission aspect is always what does concern you about Angela Hill. Mitch, uh, a couple of comments. Samuel saying, well, he boss going all out being such a dis- dis- disappointment last time around. Uh, Thomas saying, uh, I love both of them. They're both great for women's and May Hill has a career in sport after she is done. And the same with adding that Hill had the volume, but if he must take her wrestling all the way, Hill may not be as effective. Yeah. Angela Hill is very good as a commentator. She was actually one of the people in the room on fight Island yeah. for, uh, your buddy, Joshua Fabia. Yeah. My buddy. God. How about my boy Paul Felder kind of put him in his place and then, you know, Matt Sarah at one time put him in his place too. The guy's a yeah. lunatic. Um, like, bro, I don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> man. Yeah. That guy is just something. I feel bad for Diego Dude, Sanchez. Clearly, I, 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 I feel I tell like you. this is like a, a 30-30 in the making. Look, I have done production meetings for play-by-play, and uh, it's like, bro, they're there to talk to the fighter. They're not there to talk to the coach. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't go complain. They're like trying to go complain to HR. It ain't how it works, man. You know, and, uh, you know, it's Diego Sanchez's career. And but we shall the, see what happens next. And in the not so shocking news department, Scott Coker's already said, nope, we're not interested in Diego Sanchez. Good. Stop. Good. I, I, I don't think many promoters are going to be interested in getting in the Diego Sanchez business because of Josh Fabia after, you know, first off, you release a phone call with an attorney that would appear you didn't tell the attorney that the call was being taped, so that's not a good sign. Unfortunately, I think we all know where Diego Sanchez is going to end up. Yeah, I, I think so too. and It's, it's going to be bare knuckle. Yeah, we try not to talk about it, but it's kind of like we can't avoid it. And uh, it's it's a sad situation. It's headlines and, and you know, a lot of the media and uh, you've seen the videos and all, all that. I think that there's a lot more to the story. And, uh, you know, poor Diego Sanchez, but clearly he needs to make some changes. Oh, man. Yeah. They just see the Paul Felder. As, he's, the, the, the look Paul Felder is giving like, bro, who are you? Yeah, man. <laughs> My boy Paul was going to flip out, uh, and I I was kind of right there. I was like, man. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. It's Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. 
if that guy's talking to, I was surprised that they, they waited that long. You know what I mean? Like their tolerance for it was, was pretty impressive. Yeah. Especially the one guy that people may not have recognized was Zach Candido. Who's one of the head producers for the UFC It's basically uh, like, bro, we're not here to be, to defend you. Like yeah. we're here to call the fights the way we see it. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Pete just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unre- so, there's things that happen in the sport that just make me go, what is going on here? Like, yeah. it's amazing. Of course, uh, of course, we're here to talk UFC Vegas number 26. This show is sponsored by our good people over at Monkey Knife Fight with Monkey Knife Fight. You are in charge. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Sign up and be sure to use that promo code OSMO for instant first match deposit up to $100. And Pete, we're going to play a little more or less here. Of course, that's what happens over at Monkey Knife Fight with their player props. More or less, we're going to look at this heavyweight matchup between Maurice Green and Marcos Rosario de Lima. More or less, 29 and a half significant strikes for de Lima. Oh, man. I'm going to say he's going to throw a lot of leg kicks, so I will say more. All right, Maurice Green, more or less 16 and a half strikes. It's so low, it's tempting, right? Like, I could see that swinging either way. Like, uh, you know, Maurice Green getting clipped with one shot or they're kind of both on the outside throwing leg kicks and long distance strikes. I have to say over. That's like ridiculously low. It was crazy. One of the lines I played last week over there, more or less, was on the fancy points for Marab and Cody Stam. I believe they both were more. Marab had 400 points on Monkey Knife Fight. Oof, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, like the longer the fight goes over on that platform, the more likely you are to to hit the the more on some of these fantasy points. By the way, speaking of heavyweight matchups that you don't feel exactly too comfortable with, Ben Rothwell versus Philippe Leans. You got 8,200 for Ben Rothwell, 8,000 for Philippe Leans, and then over on FanDuel, 14 for Rothwell. 15 for Philippe Leans. Pete, I don't feel comfortable putting either one of these guys in my lineup. Yeah, me either, right? And I was hoping that, that Philippe Leans would have some success in the UFC, obviously, you know, winning a million dollars over the PFL, winning the tournament. I was kind of excited for his hopes in the UFC. And, uh, you know, back-to-back losses to Arlovsky and Bozer kind of just derailed that hype train, so to speak. I mean, because he had relatively – decent hype coming into the UFC and now he's paired up against one of the trickiest heavyweights there are and Ben Rothwell um, who's just ridiculous he's a big guy 6'4 78 inch reach um, you know very physical very tricky on the feet used to have some ridiculous movement um, and uh, his experience kind of speaks for itself I mean he has 51 MMA fights to Felipe Lins 19 Ah, man, this is a head scratcher of a, of a fight for sure. I mean, if you're looking at the metrics and the stats, Ben Rothwell has a slight advantage in the striking department as far as output, but he has been getting hit more, you know, as of lately. And, uh, you know, he kind of walks into a lot of shots, which definitely doesn't inspire confidence in backing him in the bout, but he's the bigger guy. He does have some submissions in his back pocket. If, if say Philippe Leans does try to take him down or if it ends up on the mat at some point. I mean, at this point, I can't back Philippe Leans. He hasn't showed me anything. I mean, he lost and got, you know, outworked against Andre Orlovsky, and then he got clipped and rocked and knocked out against Tanner Bozer, who, besides his recent stretch, was never really known for his power, but started to put people away. I don't know if it's more to say about the the level of opposition or if Tanner Boza really leveled up within the division. So for me, it's Ben Rothwell, but it's another close your eyes and hope for the best. I don't really know if this is a priority fight because Ben Rothwell is always in these tricky, weird, lethargic, lean on you type of fights. But uh, Ben Rothwell getting a stoppage over Felipe and Lins would definitely not surprise me. Yeah, it's just one of those fights you just – I'm not putting a priority on it at all. Um, you know, because I can see this fight going all 15 minutes and being kind of a sloppy, low-scoring heavyweight fight. So that that does concern me a little bit there. Uh, let's move on to the next matchup, matchup that I know we're both interested in. That would be Phil Halls and Kyle Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins, 8300 $7,900 for Phil Halls. And uh, Phil Halls is $14 on FanDuel, $16 on Kyle Dawkins. 
You know, to me, in terms of, of this fight, to me, it's if you want to, if you're going to be a Phil Hall's backer, you're hoping for that, that finish within about the first, I would say, seven to eight minutes of this fight. But this fight hits the third round. I really do like Kyle Dawkins. Yeah, I think that Kyle Dawkins is one of the best values on the slate. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of value, uh, plenty of fighters that I don't say that about. I mean, I have highlighted some of the guys that I will be targeting in my underdog pool. And Kyle Dawkins definitely fits that. I'm going to have some shares, uh, even though that he is the favorite here. I'm, I'm a little uh, surprised at the odds and the salaries, to be honest. So the fact that I can get Phil Hawes as an underdog, you know, definitely I, I like it a lot. It does probably make sense that he's going to come in pretty heavily owned. But as far as a contrarian pick, I think that Dawkins is a nice contrarian pick. I mean, if you're picking Dawkins, you're expecting him to weather the storm um, you know, kind of use his length to his advantage, possibly land a takedown, put Phil Hawes on the mat, um, incorporate some jujitsu over a fatigued Phil Hawes. But I mean, how many fights are we going to fade of Phil Hawes or, or question Phil Hawes? Is this going to be like a, a constant Phil Hawes questioning for the rest of his career where we're kind of, you know, always hesitant to back him or support him or have levels of confidence with him? Because if you think about the Nasruddin Imovov fight, we were doing just that, right? Like we were concerned, mm-hmm. you know, because regionally and, you know, outside the UFC and even in his contender series, you've seen that he has like moments and lapses of judgment at times of leaving his neck out there, getting submitted, maybe even getting out worked when the going gets tough. But it's Phil Hawes for me as an underdog. I like Phil Hawes. I like his explosiveness. I know he's a talented wrestler. Perhaps being at Sanford MMA is exactly what he needs because uh, in that Imovov fight, he looked strong. He looked good throughout the fight. But a Kyle Dawkins come from behind victory, uh, weathering the storm, doing similar to what he did in the Brendan Allen fight is definitely you know, possible. It's a live betting situation for sure. Kyle Dawkins, you know, one of the best guys to target as far as contrarian. Um, initially, I thought he was the underdog, but he's not. No, he, he's a slight betting favor in this one. You know, I, I think Kyle Dawkins, and we talk about this every week. Of you look at those fighters that are eighty three to eighty seven hundred, and, and find that sweet spot, and then comparing those salaries to what we're seeing ownership wise, Kyle Dawkins may be one of those guys. It just kind of as you're developing your lineups, think about that of of what his ownership is in comparison to the rest of the field. You might be able to get a little leg up on the rest of the field over there. Of course. We're, of course, we're here every week helping you develop those lineups. And one thing we do want to talk about is the Osmo Hall of Fame, where, of course, you're rocking that Osmo Avatar app. And when you place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants, all you got to do is tweet that win to at Osmo Hall of Fame, H-O-F, and you win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Looking at some of the guys that are in there right now, taking on basketball as it was, I hustle for it. Nice 417 points, man. Good for you. Good for you. I need one of those lineups tonight. I need one of those lineups tonight. Uh, so be sure to check out the also Hall Famous. Tyler's got it up there of what people have been able to do. Uh, Jason RD917. That is definitely not me. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> didn't, I, I, I did a little 20 max last night. I uh, did not do as good as I hope. And, uh, in a little multipliers contest tonight, so I've not looked to see how well I'm doing as I went a little I went a little heavy on uh, that um, at Washington game tonight. So be on the lookout for that. Of course, uh, Pete was in the got got a little mention for for the HOF the area. You love those showdown contests. Showdown contests, I just they're not my thing, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, it's it's kind of a sweet spot for me. Um, I I like I like showdowns a lot. Um, I also like, you know, obviously the smaller, the slate, the more I prefer it, um, the, the larger, the slate, I seem just not to either have enough entries or enough, you know, uh, versatility or randomness attached to my lineups. But, uh, yeah, showdown, small slates, kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah. My, my, my wheelhouse of recently really has become those multiplier contests, three max, 20 max, and some single entries. That's kind of been where I'm going. And I'll say this, you know, you get all those, you know, those DraftKings free tickets in your account. 
I noticed the other day there's a lot of contests out there where you can use your tickets to win into next week's UFC pay-per-view. I want to say 200K in the first place in the big Ooh. GPP. So uh, that that's a little hat tip to use those DraftKings tickets to get you in those big GPPs to get you to win yourself a free ticket. A little hat tip. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. All of us here appreciate you, Jason. I mean, if you guys appreciate Jason and myself, just hit that thumbs up for us. Uh, we enjoy doing this show for you guys. Of course, we'll be here on Saturday for Live Before Lock as well, but we still got four more fights to talk about here before we get out of here on this edition of the Strategy Show. Klein and Trezano. Klein, 9,400, 6,800 for Trezano. I feel like because we have not seen Trezano in a long time, that he will be he'll be undervalued in this matchup, even though there is obviously a reason that Klein is a favorite. Yeah, I think that Klein should be the favorite, but uh, anytime somebody's away from the cage for so long, it does leave some levels of uncertainty, but also, you know, it's like a, it's an X factor. You know, you don't know what they've been working on. You don't know who they've been working with. You don't know if they've leveled up in certain areas or they've been really focusing their, you know, their energy in certain departments. Um, I do think that, you know, Trezano is not a bad fighter at all. Clearly he's had some excellent performances. Um, he's eight and one overall. So he will be at a slight, you know, uh, experience disadvantage against Ludovic Klein. And I think Ludovic Klein is a very talented fighter within the division. Um, you know, excellent combinations, great head kick, powerful punches. But there are questions around him, right? Like, um, I want to see him against some more UFC competition. And I do think that this is a perfect fight for him because Trezano's not an easy fight. Um, he could go in there and uh, I want to see how he responds to getting tested. What happens if he gets taken down? Will he get submitted? Um, I think that Trezano is an a very talented underdog at 6,800 is a a little disrespectful. I don't think that Ludovic Klein should be at 9,400. I think that the odds are a little too wide for my liking, Um, but I do, I do favor Ludovic Klein. Obviously the absence of Trezano is inflating the salaries and inflating the odds. So uh, yeah, the the public's going to be all over Ludovic Klein, but 9,400 is a bit rich. Yeah. I mean, as I, I look up and down this car, I just, I'm not in love with a lot of the 9,000 options in yeah, terms I, of, of GPP plays. Yeah. I mean, like avoiding uh, being underweight on some of the, the high priced fighters is always a nice way to diversify your lineups and uh, shoot up the rankings. Obviously if uh, you know, you're able to leverage some situations at 9,400, I mean, like he, he definitely can knock him out, but say he scores 105 points. Does that really pay off the salary? We don't know. Let's move on next to a matchup between your boy Adeshev and Ryan Benoit. Eighty-seven hundred for Benoit, seventy-five hundred for Adeshev. Mentioned this uh, comment that we got over on Twitter a little earlier from Hunter Man. He says, "Here's my question: What are the odds at Pete the Heat MMA does not go with his boy Adeshev in fifty percent of his lineups?" Well, let me tell you. That if I'm recommending anything to you guys, I'm, I'm I'm just saying that you probably can't trust either one of these guys, Ryan Benoit or Zerukadashev to this point, right? Like, let's be real. You can't trust either one of them. Obviously, outside of DFS, I will be rooting for Adashev like crazy because he's a friend. And uh, I think that he is talented and he hasn't shown his best self within the, the octagon. But, uh, you know, in two opportunities, he's he's walked away winless. And it gets a guy, Ryan Benoit, who does have some big power for the division. Obviously, I am worried about that. I am worried about Ryan Benoit also working with the likes of Gary Tonin a lot on his leg locks and all of his submission abilities. And, you know, um, you know Ryan Benoit also being a part of a new camp and uh, working on you know, with a lot of wrestling. Like, he, he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist. And if you look at his level of opposition and strength of schedule, he's fought some killers. So, clearly... If you look at who he's fought, you can't really hang your head at his record. I mean, he's, he's 10 and 7, and let's be real, the, the, the strength of schedule is nowhere near for Adeshev as it is Benoit. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a safe play and kind of I'm surprised the odds aren't even wider, I think that Ryan Benoit is probably going to be a very, very popular play. For me personally, I will be rooting and rostering Adeshev because that's what I do with friends. Um, but I, I think that Ryan Benoit's one of the safest plays on the slate as far as 
like to walk away with a victory if everything should, you know, he's fought a, a lot tougher fighters and, you know, he's walked away victorious. But does he really even score well at 8,700? That's the thing. If you think Ryan Benoit's going to win, just going to tell you, play the ownership game. Yeah. Because I've seen what our, our projections are at this really? point. Really? Yeah, it's, it's low. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. That, that surprises me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that Ryan Benoit's like special by any means. So I think it's a very winnable fight for my friend Adeshev. I just think that for the division – Benoit hits hard. He has submission ability. Um, now that he's worked a lot with Gary Tonin, but it's mainly the knockout threat. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see, Jason. We'll have to see how Wayne's go, too. Of course, I mentioned about Awesome O Plus and the great tools and data we have over there. Of course, one of the perks of being an Awesome o Plus member is you get access to our premium Slack cows. I've got it right up here. You can ask myself and Pete questions. And of course I'm in there on Saturday for office hours, answer your questions for your roster construction for that night's UFC. So always love chatting with our subscribers over there in our premium Slack account. We've got two more fights coming for you here and uh park and Tafe on here to me is potentially, potentially this fight in terms of GPPs. I think we, we need to really, consider having decent exposure because i look at park we saw him go to takedown route against john phillips well who doesn't go to takedown route against john phillips but but the on the other side of this you got a very young and developing fighter yeah i mean like i'm interested in this matchup of jin young park against tafan and chukwi i really am and uh you know jin young park looked good in this victory over uh john phillips and uh you know credited with four takedowns 10 significant strikes, 260 total strikes, uh, fight against Mark Andre Barrio, five takedowns, 77 uh, significant strikes. So if he can get top position over Tafan and Chukwi, I think that it's a, uh, you know, a very nice spot, obviously, but I think that's his path to victory here. He does have some heavy hands as well. And Tafan and Chukwi is a developing fighter. He's young, he's green, he's five and zero, right? Like, and he's coming from the kickboxing world, uh, part of Team Lloyd Irvin um, from from the kickboxing world, making his transition into MMA. Uh, you know, he has fought some tough guys on the regional scene, William Knight being one of them, and he got rid of William Knight within one round. But it's the it's the performance against Jamie Pickett. Like, yeah, he looked good, good combinations, good volume for the division. But I thought he could get a – you know, I thought he could put Jamie Pickett away. Despite Jamie Pickett's toughness, I thought he'd maybe be able to put him away. And he didn't. So it shows me that he has a gas tank for for three rounds. But there are still grappling questions regarding him. And, uh, you know, with Ju- what Jun Young Park has done in the grappling department, I am interested. I really am. I mean, 3.4 takedowns per 15 minutes has a uh, takedown accuracy of 64% to find a Chukwi's takedown defense. In his two, um, in his two, his one UFC fight, one contender series fight. So I, I think that I like park here i really do i think the experience of 16 fights is nice um obviously i am worried about him getting hit with a shot because tafan and chukwi's volume jason something that you brought up is insane 7.59 strikes uh per minute significant strikes per minute so if you kind of like extend that over 15 minutes you're looking at a nice total um so i i think this is a very sneaky fight to target and i agree with everything you said i am citing Slightly with Junior Park to uh, to pull this off, though. Nine takedowns Park has in his last two fights. Of course, his last fight was before the new scoring system came in. I want to say it was like 80 points or something hmm. that uh, under the old system, under a new system, it's still kind of crazy. It was only it was only 127.7 points when he had four takedowns, 260 total strikes, 260 strikes in three round fights. Crazy. Yeah. 13 minutes of control time, and of course, only 10 significant strikes. That's crazy. That's you would we think got, a much higher score than 127. You would think so, right? I mean, but the, the scoring system, I'm not a fan of it right now. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I like uh, the underdog Junior Park quite a bit. I think he's in a nice spot here. It's not an easy fight by any means. 
but I think that he could test a newcomer and put him in some uh, some different positions and uh, test his grappling. I know our guy Samuel's in here. Samuel, I'm just going to let you know something. Your old boy here is going to have to have some high shares in the very first fight of the night, and I don't feel good about it. Oh, Christian boy. Aguilera, Carlson Harris, 8,600 for Harris, 7,600 for Aguilera, 18 and 12 on FanDuel. It's hard for me to look at this fight and not think the winner's going to be optimal. Yeah. I mean, how many times is the first fight of the night optimal lately, right? Like, I want to see statistics of that because, like, the first fight of the night seems to be an extremely volatile matchup that neither one of us want to have parts of, but we know we have to. Our hands are tied, okay? Our hands are tied, and we're forced to roster it. And I agree. I think it's the same this week, Jason. Man, this is a fight that, first off, Harris – you know, you got to imagine that the game plan is going to be take this fight to the ground. Yeah. You know, I don't think you want to get into a brawl with Christian Aguilera because that's what Aguilera is going to want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we, we've seen, you know, whether we're talking about in the UFC or, or pre UFC of the fighters who've had success against Christian, they're able to take him down, but, but man, he has got some highlight real knockouts. So you got to be able to pay attention to that one. This is a fight that I will have more Harris than I will have Aguilera, but you I'm telling you, if you're a multi entry player, you gotta have both sides of this fight. Yeah, I mean Aguilera can easily spoil the debut of uh Carlston Harris by defending a takedown and lighting him up with some explosive combinations. And uh not too long ago we were breaking down the Anthony Ivy against Christian Aguilera fight and Anthony Ivey's path to victory regionally was taking a lot of people down and posing his will on the mat. And he was unable to do so. He was a, you know, like a statue in front of him and he got absolutely lit up by Christian Aguilera. And it shows the potential that he has within the division. If he's able to defend takedowns, then he's matched up against Sean Brady, who is one of the best prospects within the sport. And uh, Sean Brady had his way with him, took him down, uh, ended up submitting him with a guillotine choke. And uh, I will say that you shouldn't really like, take too much stock away from Christian Aguilera from that fight because like it's Sean Brady. And I I think that he does, he dominates a lot of opposition within the UFC, but it's also important to note, like maybe he hasn't patched up all of his holes and clearly Carlson Harris going to look to implement takedowns and test that ground game as he has done on the regional scene. Um, You know, he's 33 and I'm excited to see somebody debut in the UFC and, uh, you know, I, I think that he's versatile. He has decent punching, punching power, sneaky jujitsu. And if you look at his strength of schedule to the UFC, I mean, he's fought probably the tougher, mm, arguably the tougher competition than Christian Aguilar. It, it's close, but there are some big, big wins, a part of Carlson Harris's, uh, you know, fighting career. So I will favor Carlson Harris, especially if he goes the grappling route, but you know, not too often are we really like recommending debut fighters, but I, I think that I will have plenty of shares of the first fight and think that, you know, he's probably in a good spot to pull the victory over Christian Aguilera. Look, here's the best part about if I'm rostering the first fight of the night, Pete, is I'm going to be at the Raptors game with my boys. Ooh. So I won't, I won't necessarily have to worry, be worried about how my, my lives are doing. I'll probably just catch it after the fact. Who are they playing? Uh, that would be the uh, Grizzlies. Ooh, that's nice. Ho- hopefully, John Moran doesn't get tackled at midcourt like he did last <laughs> night. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. He just got absolutely blast doubled in the middle of the court. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, I-, I think, do you think this fight goes the distance? Because no. I have a sneaky suspicion it doesn't. No, I, I don't think it does either. I, I really don't. It- it's more about... Just what we've seen from Christian Aguilera throughout his MMA career. That's just yeah. not really in his DNA. Now, before we get into some listener questions, of course, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button right here to Osmo on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. And, of course, uh, if you've already done that, hit that thumbs up button. We really do appreciate that. Mentioned uh, Samuel a little earlier. He, he checked in with a super chat, as always, Samuel. Appreciate your super chats. His uh, typical questions, top two cash, top two GPPs, MVP, underdogs, champions, Inside the distance favorites, upset of the night, and is the first fight, fight part of the optimal. We've already kind of answered that one there. And an update How on do you Pete's start fight. this? How do you start this cash lineup on a card like this? How the heck do you start a cash lineup on a card like this? You got to start at Gillespie, who's been away from the cage for so long? That's a damn good question. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, who the heck do you really like? Who is your mm. staple? This is one of the God. ugliest cards I've ever seen for DFS. But we tend to really succeed on cards. Take, like taking salary out of it. Okay. Maybe it's Jeff Neal. I was going to say, Jeff, I like Jeff Neal the most on the card. Like, it's not an easy fight by any means, but I, I have like a really strong feeling that he, he puts Neil Magny away. Maria Rodriguez may be a, a, the top cash play. Okay. I mean, that's a typical answer, right? Like a main event is usually where you would start most of your lineups. If it's, it goes the distance, does she still pay off her price tag? If it's a primarily a striking fight, um, maybe. Right? I wish she was a little cheaper. Yeah. In terms of GPPs, look, I, I God, I hate to say this. Marcos Rosero de Lima. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Like, um, I just want to say that fight, <laughs> that fight, but, uh, you know, uh, man. yeah. If you have a, if you have a lock on this card, let us know in the comment section, let us know who you like, who you're backing. I mean, like, you know, I respect everybody's opinion, and so does Jason. I mean, you guys are, you know, well-versed in MMA. So clearly, like, we have a, a very educated audience. This is just not my favorite card by any means. And I think there are question marks surrounding almost everybody here. You know, and, and like Sam brings up by Inside the Distance, like, there's some fights I, I really like to go inside. But this fight card screams a lot of decisions. Yeah, it kind of does, right? Like, main event, I think it's got a good chance it goes all 25 minutes. Okay. Co-main event? Maybe. 60-40, it goes the distance. Okay, fair. Neil Magny probably goes the distance. Rogerio DeLima, no. That, that, one's, that one's finished. That one's out. Gillespie, hey, Gillespie. That's going the distance. Hebus Hill, distance. Rothwell leans. It's gonna be a long night. Probably, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you start you start going down. It's like, man, you see a lot of decisions here, a lot of decisions here. Um, and, and I think that's why you have to start kind of thinking. You know, upset of the night. I, I might say Park. Yeah, I, I think that a common upset would be, um, hmm, probably Park. I'm going to be different than you, and I'm going to say Angela Hill over Hebus. Um, UFC betting wizards saying Dawkus is his lock. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I like Dawkus a lot. I, I really do. I think that Dawkus is a very talented fighter for the division, and it seems every time Phil Hawes is on the card, we're starting to really get enticed by his opponent because we think that he can expose him. Maybe, maybe he can. We'll see. Uh, Kaya says, do not tell people about those ticket contests. I got like a 200% ROI in them. Stay out. Oh man. <laughs> I have, I have a good ROI on those as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, great way. It's a great way to get those free tickets in, in the big contest. I'm just telling you. That is funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll have to see how this fight card goes. I mean, you know, we're looking forward to breaking it down again after the weigh-ins on Saturday. If you guys appreciated our show today, if you could just hit that thumbs up before you head out of here, um, you know. But before we get out of here, we got to give our straight-up fight oh, yeah. picks. This could be an interesting one. Non-DFS. Non-DFS picks. I don't want to hear you guys giving me a hard time of who I'm picking. Okay. Well, I think you killed me last week. I, I think you killed me last week in the straight-up picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. Let's start. Uh, let's start at the main event. Maria Rodriguez, Michelle Waterson. Rodriguez. I'm with you on that one. Cerrone and Morono. Cowboy. I will agree with you there. Neil Magny. It's tricky. Or Neil. Neil, well, yeah. Neil. Yeah. Neil Magny. I said that. Confusing right. me. Jeff Neil. <laughs> Give me Jeff Neil. Yeah. Green and Lima. Uh, De Lima. I will agree with you there, man. We're, we got a lot of agreements here. Uh, Fajaya and Gillespie. Gillespie. Diego Fajaya. I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. He boss at Hill. Hill. I will go Amanda. He boss. Okay. 
Rothwell and Leans. Rothwell. I will agree with you on that one. Hawes and Dawkus. Hawes. I will stick with you on that one, too. Uh, Klein and Trezano. Klein. I will go Klein as well. Benoit and Adeshev. Yeah, so you already know I'm picking my boy Adeshev. I will go with Ryan Benoit. Uh, Park and Tafon. Park. I will go with Park. Aguilera and Harris. Harris for me. I will go Harris as well. So those okay. are our straight up fight picks. I know we got someone on Twitter who who keeps track of this for us. So he always lets yeah. us know during the fights of uh, who's up and who's not, who's down a little bit. I know uh, last week I think I, I think I, I took a bunch of underdogs and uh, that did not work out for me. And that's okay. I mean, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. And if you like somebody, don't let anybody talk you off them. I mean, obviously respect what they have to say and kind of jot it down and think about it. But honestly, like sometimes the best thing is your gut. Yeah, I know, and because I, I do a lot of hand building, and so sometimes I, you know, the big thing I'm just trying to differentiate my lips a little yeah. bit. That's that's a big thing for me, especially. Uh, I think we all kind of as MMA DFS players, we all get stuck on that one fighter, uh-huh. and that one fighter ends up in like ninety percent of our lineups. Yeah, that's that's the that's the hard part for me too, right? Like all your lineups are looking good. And then that one guy that happens to be in like 70% of your lineup just doesn't come through. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, man. But uh, of course, appreciate everyone checking out the Oswald MMA DFS strategy show. Of course, Tyler, you can hit that music. We'll be back on Saturday for live beat for lock. Good luck on Saturday. We will talk to you on Saturday, 4 PM each time for live before lock. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.